Everybody, welcome into another Inside Nebraska podcast. He's Greg Smith. I'm Zach Carpenter, and we're today we're talking Huskers Hot Board 3.0. We uh, released our latest update on the Nebraska coaching search at nebraska.rivals.com. With um, there's 11 names on the list, main eight main ones, three that were kind of mentioned in passing, and then uh, of those main eight, really there's seven um, to mainly keep track of. Um, so if you want to check that out, go to our website again, nebraska.rivals.com. But we want to uh, do a little video breakdown of, of, of a few of them. Um, Greg, the last week, last <laughs> Thursday, uh, November 3rd, was was such a wacky day. Um, and we wanted to give a little bit of time uh, between that crazy day and then the release of this list as we kind of vetted things. We talked to multiple sources, multiple people um, around this coaching search to Get a more uh, clear picture of where the where the coaching search stands. Um, Thursday was kind of one of those those weird days where, uh, <laughs> like you you had mentioned before, like we haven't had one of those days yet during mm -hmm. this search. I mean, it's been two months and nothing like that day happened. Um, and then it turned into much ado about nothing. It was uh, it started with the morning started with some t intensity. And then eventually trickled down. And then, I mean, about mid-afternoon, I was told by one of my trusted sources, like, you guys can relax. Like, you're, you and your staff can relax. Nothing is going on. Because nothing came out of it that was actually newsworthy. Yeah, it was It was one of those days. And like you said, where we had, I feel like we needed that. Let me just put this out there. We needed that type of day where you just, everything is a little crazy and you're trying to figure out like, like people are starting to fire up flight tracker and, you know, this person saw somebody at high V and this person saw them getting gas. Like we need that sort of day is honestly what makes the coaching search fun because you can't have all of the mundane days where really nothing is going on, which had been the case basically for every day prior to that since September 11th when Scott Frost was fired, right? Um, and that's kind of unusual. That has made this coaching surge in the backdrop of all of this kind of strange where like there haven't been really any leaks. There hasn't been any buzzy newsy days. Um, there haven't been like talks of secret meetings and all of that like there was on Thursday but ultimately and I definitely want to say this because I was one of the per one of the people reporting that there was a quote unquote secret meeting um and I still stand by that um it's one of those things where multiple things can be true at once, right? And I think that sometimes that is a difficult thing for a large majority of people to understand, which is, yes, it could be true that that meeting happened in some form, shape, or fashion, whether it was three people or whether it was the full board. It was more likely three or so, right? But that does not mean that there was going to be a coach named on that Thursday, right? Like, I don't think that none of us, like, expected, like, Trev Alberts to walk out with insert your cho coach of choice um, on a Thursday afternoon presser. Like, that. I didn't think that that was going to happen. And that's where a lot of the stuff was getting conflated, right? People were lumping all of the different rumors together instead of parsing through the couple of credible things that were out there, which also made for a crazier day. Yeah, and we, I think it's a good point to make that we haven't had those crazy days. And a lot of that is a product of the way that Trev Alberts has mm -hmm. conducted this search. Credit to him. It's pretty much gone exactly how we anticipated where we weren't going to have those days because uh, the way that the, the fashion in which this search has been conducted uh, from the top down, but nothing actually newsworthy um, regarding the coaching search came out that day. But what that day did do is give us a runway, give us an avenue um, to, to start 
um, getting more information and updates on on where the search stands now. And um, on Thursday and over the weekend, on Monday, we uh, continue to talk to multiple people um, to piece together this this new hot board on uh, on our site. And um, it, it provided a couple new names that we're going to talk about in a second. But one main name that has been either the hottest name or one of the hottest names around this search really since he was fired by the Carolina Panthers last month. And that's Matt rule. Um, what, what do you make of, uh, of Matt rule, Greg? I mean, he seems to have, he was always among the favorites. Um, I think, or at least the, the hottest names, like I said, but now it seems that that talk has definitely increased a lot more in the past few days. Yeah, I think, and this is for, I think a part of what happened with what what went down on Thursday is that if you have any hope that a, a hire is going to be announced at some point before the season ends, it essentially has to be of the list that we have, Matt Rule or Mickey Joseph. And I think of those two names, Matt Rule obviously has the more head coaching, has more head coaching experience, is a proven program builder at a couple of programs in Temple and Baylor um, that were in, at, at just historically even worse shape than Nebraska and for different reasons, right? Because of the scale, the scandal at Baylor. Um, and so you like his ability to build that then. And I saw this all over the place, all of the different articles, there seemed to be no shortage of information you can read out there about Matt rule and how he built either temple or Baylor. And so people kind of dig into that and you like what you see. Right. And plus he seems like a guy, and this is one of the things to me that is high on the list. Um, as I'm just thinking about personal favorite coaches in this thing is guys that are adaptable right is, is he's a guy that would have pro probably classified himself as more old school football guy that embraced the rpo and the more spread offense style embrace analytics in his recruiting he had a really fast team down at baylor by the time he was done down there like there's a lot to like about that situation and i think that matt rule represents really the biggest name that nebraska really is probably going to get at this point i don't know if there's another name that's as realistic that would go oh okay nebraska did something there which is not always something that you need but i know for fans it definitely matters yeah i mean we keep reiterating trev albert said he does we're not looking to win the press conference with this right hire. he did say he set that expectation right away <laughs> yeah it was, it was nice that he did that because uh, to set fan expectations because he knows how these sort of searches go um you make the point about matt rule big name hire um, as the most realistic big name hire. I think him and Mark Stoops, um, I think would those two would qualify rules, obviously, or I think would probably be um, quote unquote, a bigger name hire. But I think those two, um, those two, uh, well, especially Stoops, I think uh, when, um, when the search started September 11th, after Scott Frost was fired, I think Mark Stoops was, um, he's seen his name, rise up the the um the list of candidates and like uh this actually could happen at least he'd be interested in it um uh, the people i talked to had remained steadfast since day one that that stoops uh should not be um discounted in this search uh just he those two remain my like my personal favorites i guess as far as um what would be like, the most exciting but also could would probably work the best or has the uh, potential to work the best as far as that goes but the other two names um the other two key names that we need to hit on today are one that was uh, not necessarily coming out of nowhere um because he was he was included in our first hot board but sort of on the periphery 
and then another who um he's been on he was on our first two updates and he's on the on, obviously on our third one first two updates again sort of just uh we needed to mention him because he his name hadn't been going away that's gary patterson um the former tcu legend program builder now at, at texas as an as an analyst um he's been he's been he's been sort of lurking there a little yeah. bit and then we have jeff monkin at army who was on like i said he was on our first hot board dropped him off the second one but now uh, multiple people have told me on thursday and then the, the ensuing days uh jeff monkin and gary patterson are two that um nebraska is absolutely that there's major interest there um and at least gauging um gauging interest from them and at least speaking with them speaking with the agents um that they're involved with i mean those are two that sort of soared up the rankings uh over the last few days that were um a lot more off the radar than than some of the other guys yeah, absolutely. And I think that Monken was a name that was mentioned to me as well late last week that I, I don't want to say it didn't catch me by surprise. It's like you said, we had been kind of he had been circling the wagons, right? He'd be kind of on the periphery of, of the search. Um, and you just kind of had the feeling that he would be someone that would at least be looked at. Right. Like that was always kind of the thing. And then his name really surfaced last week. Um, it, it's an interesting one. I, I feel like you're going to, you would definitely not win the press conference, as Trav Ellers has alluded to, with that hire. And you would have to do a lot of explaining. There would be some really, I'm imagining the press conference on that one, just to take it all the way there, where we're in the room and people are asking some really pointed questions about how this came to be, what the offense is going to look like, what type of staff he thinks he could be able to hire. I just, you just think about those things and right away, and then that's beyond kind of, the immediate fan pushback that you're going to get. And this is always something that's going to happen. And I, I was reading something over the weekend actually about this, just kind of doing some research about Monken. And, and he's spoken about that, about how there are fan bases that are kind of reluctant to like embrace people just when they hear them say they like the triple option um, versus saying the RPO. Now, Nebraska is a unique situation in that, right? Because I don't want to say paint with a broad brush and say that every fan would be against um, him being hired because they wouldn't. We know that there are fans out there we hear from them every day on our, our message board that would love to go back to running the option. If you think back to um, last year when Nebraska successfully ran some of those option elements against that bad Northwestern team and that uh, blowout win at home, fans were going nuts in the stadium for those option plays, right? Can you do that and replicate it over the long haul in the Big Ten remains to be seen, uh, but that would be, it would be at least interesting. Like it would, it would at least give some interest, but it would be a, it would be a tough sell admittedly. Yeah, I mean, the the triple option, can that be sustained in the Big Ten? I mean, the Big Ten West, I feel like you could probably win some division titles with it, but the way... I do think you probably could. <laughs> but the And then the extra element of that is, how is the Big Ten landscape going to change when USC and UCLA are brought into the conference? And then if they add two more teams, because um, I believe that Big Ten is going, um, doing away with divisions. Uh, but, but I still think, I mean, not to get off on a tangent here, but um, I still think they'll... They will schedule uh, geogra more geographically friendly for uh, for Nebraska um, in the future. So I think you'd still see more of a similar schedule than uh, that that is today. But um, that's looking long term and sort of getting into the weeds here. Um, because one more one more of that storyline coach that we want to talk about is obviously um, sort of like an elephant in the room, and that's Mickey Joseph and his status. 
um, as as the interim coach. It's it's been um, it's been pretty incredible to watch it sort of roller coaster, right? I mean, right. after the Oklahoma loss, after they get blown out, there are a lot of people saying he's not the guy. When it's like that, that's a little ridiculous. Like that's very short sighted. I mean, he was put into an impossible situation um, right. a week out. Uh, going against a team that at the time looked like they were going to be competing for Big 12 title um, and potentially a college football playoff spot. He uh, bounces back. They they beat Indiana and Rutgers, um, two games that previous iterations of this Nebraska team would not they, – they would not have closed those games out, right? Um, right? And it just felt like he quickly – implemented his philosophies his style that open door policy that we talk about for instance um just felt like he was able to shift things um shift mindsets shift the culture very very quickly around that around the program um and then i mean that purdue game again they stayed in the fight when it looked like they were gonna they would have wilted in the past um but then the the results haven't been there on the field um, despite all of the the vibes and the mindset around this program changing, they start they went through they were three and three share of the Big Ten West lead, um, and then had two games where they those monumental showdowns right like Bill Bush that's and, right shouts Purdue, to Bill Bush Purdue and Illinois lose both of them lose to Minnesota um, and it sucks because that was uh, I think a lot of that can be attributed to Casey Thompson being injured um, but can't really make excuses. I mean, there's still losses on the scoreboard and it feels like at three and six now, um, Mickey's, Mickey's chances have uh, died down a little bit. Um, I've been told multiple people telling me that he's on the outside looking in for the job. And uh, it felt like winning, getting to a bowl game, maybe even uh, if they were seven and five, six and six, that felt like his best avenue to get the job. Um, so I, I don't know what, what are your, Thoughts on where uh, where he stands, his status, um, and potentially getting the job. And what I mean, I know that Nebraska is going to be looking to get him and uh, get him to be with the program long term, even if it's not in the head coaching role. Yeah, I think it, it's. I mean, this is this is complicated. This is it's really one of those situations where you it, all of that complication could have been removed if they were still in the lead for the Big Ten West right now. But even saying that kind of sounds ridiculous because it's very difficult to say, hey, I want you're going to take over a program that obviously had been going downhill and needed to be needed leadership change from wh what it was under Scott Frost. We want you to take that over midstream with coaches that you didn't hire. That was already kind of a mismatched unit because they had just brought in new coaches. You're then going to fire the defensive coordinator. You're already down the road with certain players injured and not injured that you, that may or may not fit what you want to do or may or may not be, you know, Big Ten level, like and especially at key spots like offensive and defensive line. Like it's really difficult to then take that that sandwich that you were handed, insert your favorite word, and then say, go make this a bowl team. Like, that's really hard. Like, and that's the bar that we're asking Mickey Joseph to clear to be able to then get the permanent job. If he were able to just, like, run off a bunch of wins, then he probably would be elevated above the Nebraska job at this point. Like, that's just the reality of where this is. So I say all of that to say that I think that his candidacy, I think, to me, is still viable. 
it's just it's going to be harder to sell because of the losses piling up because there's a real chance a real possibility that they're going to lose out like no one's no one is picking them to win this game against michigan this week and oh by the way the other two teams on the schedule wisconsin and iowa starting to find their way right the jim leonard and what he's doing in wisconsin in a kind of in a different situation he's on the path to becoming the interim coach even though i don't know what's happening there with him waiting but that's a whole different um podcast that we could do and then iowa has found their next running back and they're starting to get it going right and so we'll see nebraska could lose out and then will you hire the interim that ends up going what would that be? Would that be three and nine um, on the season? That would just be a really hard sell. But I will say that I remain just personally really, really intrigued by the idea of Mickey Joseph, a Mickey Joseph led program with his own coordinators. And maybe Bill Bush would stay around because I think he has done a good job and they have a, obviously a previous relationship. But I don't think Mark Whipple would be back. And I don't think that that's breaking news with with his own offensive coordinator with his own offensive line coach. And then we can kind of go down on down the line. There'll be several other position coaches that would be replaced. And maybe most importantly, a new strength staff and new people in the recruiting department. Like, I, I, I just wonder what that program looks like. I just don't know if you can realistically get there after going three and nine. Like timing and circumstances are really tough on Mickey. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I mentioned in the in the new hot board, um, the story, and that's something that we both agree on is at absolute worst, it's intriguing and kind of exciting to, to think about what an entire offseason, what a full 2023 season would look oh, yeah. under Mickey. Um, I think just the way he's able to recruit, I think he would be able to, to hit the transfer portal pretty effectively, um, get some talent in here right away and get and get talent in here for the future out of the high school ranks. Um, I mean, we've seen we've seen him get guys from places that Nebraska uh, historically is not really, or at least recent history has not had a um, a lot of success in. Uh, I mean, Louisiana is one of the most talent rich states, right up there with with Georgia and Texas for high school talent. Um, and he's been able to he's been able to get guys consistently from there, and even uh, out of the transfer portal. So. Um, it remains, it remains a fascinating storyline and probably the, it might be the most important one as a result, as it, um, um, in regards to this search is, uh, it is Mickey's status and this team. I mean, we still have three games left. There's just, doesn't seem like a lot of optimism going into Michigan as a 29 point underdog and without, um, clear status of, of your starting quarterbacks, um, health right now. So. It's uh, it's intriguing. We'll we'll wind up uh, seeing what happens over here in the next uh, few days and coming weeks. Um, the decision on a head coach is not imminent. Um, probably don't expect anything for at least two or three weeks um, at best. But we will we will be continuing to dive in um, to uh, to analysis and uh, and reports about certain coaches and uh, and um, and the and the uh, current team that Nebraska is trotting out there. Uh, we got press conferences today and tomorrow. Uh, got a busy day for you guys, and uh, we will have coverage all week at nebraska.rivals.com and the Inside Nebraska YouTube page. Uh, so keep it locked in here and on that site. So for Greg Smith, I'm Zach Carpenter, and we will see you guys again the next time.